the ocean has some pretty amazing qualities that I feel like people don't really like recognize. As human beings, we're all made up of 60, 70% water, you know, give or take. And our body's pH is pretty much the same as the ocean. So when you enter the ocean, your body actually automatically enters a slightly meditative state. So you don't have to set the intention of, I'm going to sit here today and meditate. Being by the water, being in the water, hearing moving water, your body does that for you. This is for the others out there, the other ambitious people who want to play at a higher level in their life. It's time to get curious and get real. Join me, and together, let's find the others. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Find the Others podcast. I am your host, Joshua Church. Grateful to have you with us. New episodes are dropping every Wednesday and Sunday, so be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can get the notification when a new episode comes out. And give me a follow on Instagram at Joshua Dean Church to catch different clips and highlights that I post. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, you find something that might be valuable, please be sure to share it with a friend who also might be into it so that together we can continue to grow our tribe of others. Today, I am stoked to bring you a fun and insightful conversation that I had with Kylie McGill. Kylie's a surfer, professional therapist, and clinical counselor working with Mindful Path. Now, Mindful Path is a super innovative practice offering a variety of mental health services in ways that I believe are truly changing the game. Kylie utilizes a blend of therapeutic approaches, meeting clients where they are by integrating psychodynamic, mindfulness, and experiential therapy to recognize problems related to grief, bereavement, anxiety, and multiculturalism. Through her own experiential therapy with surfing, she's learned the importance of practicing peace and acceptance in many aspects of life and believes in our power to heal and transform and the possibility of experiencing life in a new, more expansive way that is in more alignment with your best self. We had an epic conversation around mental health in today's day and age, the evolving practice of therapy, surf therapy, yes, you heard me right, surf therapy, and the many powerful effects that the ocean and nature can have on our minds and bodies. Give Kylie a follow on Instagram at Kai McGill and Mindful Path at Mindful Path Inc. Those links are in the show notes, and you can also check out their website, www.mindfulpath.com. All right. Excited for you to tune into this one. Let's welcome Kylie McGill. How are you feeling, Kylie? Welcome. Thank you. Feeling good. Excited to be here. Yeah, awesome. How's your day been? What you been up to? I just got back from the beach, actually. So... Um, it's been really good. No complaints. It's beautiful outside today. So yeah, LA weather is hard to beat. <laughs> Seriously. What was, what were the beach vibes going on? Just hanging out? Just going to hang out. I try and get there every day if I can, just to kind of take a second and, you know, be present. So that's good. Good for the mental health. I can imagine. Definitely. Yeah. Which is definitely something that I'm excited to dive into you with you today. How long have you been in LA for, by the way? So I was born and raised here. I was born here and then I grew up between here and Hawaii for a good amount oh, cool. of time. So yeah. Where you were just like, did you split time back and forth or what was the pull back to Hawaii? I did. So growing up, um, we had family out in Oahu. So I'd go back there a good amount. And then after undergrad, I ended up moving to Maui. 
for a little while before grad school and I had to move back. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. Sweet. And now you are a, you are a therapist. Is that right? I am. So tell me more about that. What was that? I said, tell me more about that. Yeah. I was lucky enough to go to Pepperdine and get my marriage and family therapist. And then also my clinical counseling masters from them. And I think it's just something I realized I wanted to do. I had been on the track to go to med school and had a realization that I didn't really want to be the person telling people they were sick. There's kind of this disconnect. And I wanted to Mm -hmm. be able to be the person to kind of help people get through really difficult times. And so I ended up here. That's very, very cool. Were you you always like on that in that health or uh, wanting to do pre-med for like since you can remember? Was that always something you wanted to do? Yeah, I think growing up with two parents who you know, are in the medical field, it was kind of the the path that they had set up. And a lot of the times they don't, you know, tell you that there's other options and other like routes you can take. So therapy was something I'd known about, but didn't really like dive into until I was already out of college. Gotcha. Have, have, did you ever work with a therapist yourself that was inspiring for you? Yeah. So growing up, my parents divorced when I was really young and I had been working with a therapist since I was like five. And then I stopped in high school and started back up in my undergrad and honestly don't know where I'd be without the two of them. So I think that definitely had a pretty big impact on my choice to become a therapist as well. Cool. And what what kind of value did you see? Did it bring for you, you and your life? Going to therapy? Yeah. I think it helped a lot with recognizing what I can and can't control. Mm. I had a lot of, um, like I struggled a lot with control. I played sports all through high school and I played in college as well. And I think being a college athlete, there's a lot of stress there and people don't really tell you that it's hard to balance. And so I found myself always trying to kind of like micromanage things. And my therapist definitely brought to light that, you can live in this world and still feel a sense of balance and control without truly being in control. Mm. Reminds me of the, uh, was it the serenity prayer? God grant me the serenity to what did you know it off the top of your head to I don't, but I want to say it's, it's around the idea of like accepting the things I cannot, you know, change. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. The accept the things I cannot change, change the things that I can, the wisdom to know the difference or something like that. Sounds, um, sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll make sure I put it in the show notes so we can get the actual uh, the line there. But I know for one of my friends who went through um, through the AA program, like that's like the cornerstone to that. And yeah. I feel like that's something that, especially in our generation, this idea of like control is probably a common theme that a lot of people can relate to. Have you found that to be true? Definitely. And I think you're seeing it a lot more so now in younger generations, Um, I've been lucky enough to work with people of all ages, but teens right now are really struggling with everything that's going on via, you know, COVID having to stay at home and be in Zoom school. There's not a lot of control. Mm. So I think looking for control in other, you know, parts of their life, whether it's like how they're working out, the food they're consuming, um, the activities they're partaking in, it can be a really positive thing, but a lot of the times you can kind of see it turning into this negative mindset as well. So it's, it's important to kind of, you know, keep that in mind and just see how it shows up in everyone's lives. Right. What, what are some of the, I mean, I, I, I know from the little, the little that I do know and what I can imagine the effects of 
COVID and lockdowns and quarantine and social distancing is probably having a massive effect. And I know you're closer to it in the mental health space. Like, what are you seeing from that? It's, it's changed everything. In really? Mental. Yeah. Um, I would say the best thing about COVID is that people are more open to talking about mental health. Yeah. Now. It's definitely something that has always been there. And as a therapist, we're always pushing, you know, take care of yourself before you can take care of someone else but everyone's locked inside now or was locked inside and people are dealing with things they didn't have to deal with. You know, you have families living in close quarters who would usually be going to school or going to work. Um, so I think it's been a blessing just bringing awareness to a field that often kind of, I think, got looked over. Yeah. Um, but then there's, you know, there's some negatives too. There's a lot of things that wouldn't have happened um, if quarantine didn't happen. We saw a really big spike in like domestic abuse we saw a really mm -hmm. big spike in um teen like suicidal thoughts and depression so you know yeah, yeah. for sure I, I, and that's an interesting thing because I, I i feel like at least and i'm in i'm in this world of health and wellness and coaching i'm i'm very much in this world but i i, I feel like i'm seeing there there's a shift with a lot of people, at least their openness to exploring or talking about mental health therapists. Right. Like, I feel like not very long ago, the idea of like going to therapy means like, oh my God, you're broken. Something's wrong with you. And yeah, this is like not something that we talk about or not something that we do, but I, I at least feel like it's changing. Do you, do you feel the same? I, I do. And I think it's amazing. And it feels really yeah. good to kind of be in this pocket that's um, happening right now in therapy. There's just a lot of growth around the mindset a lot of people, like you kind of mentioned, used to think, oh, I have to go to therapy because I have a problem. Now therapy in at least my realm is kind of being looked at as let's do this before there's a problem. Right. Like, What can we do to help you right now where you are so that we don't have to fix? Like, let's let's maintain. Let's help you grow. So that's so good. I love that. And and I, I, I agree. I, I think that people are becoming more open to that and that idea of like, Hold up. Like, to me, I just think about we always had teachers and coaches growing up. We always mm -hmm. had people. Uh, if we were lucky, we always had people that we could we could go to. And and then all of a sudden it's like once you get to whatever, 22 years old, 21, like when you get to the quote unquote real world, that's it. The no more. No more teachers, coaches, mentors, therapists like it, it, it just doesn't add up to me. It's, it's especially at that time. I feel like that's the time when it's probably most impactful. No, definitely. I mean, like, just to get like, you know, a little sciencey, but a lot of females, males, like our brains don't start developing until we're like 23, 24. Right. Um, so a lot of really big changes are happening in that time. I feel like people are getting out of college, people are getting new jobs, you're starting to kind of build this lifestyle and a career. And with that comes a lot of stress and a lot of changes. And yet a lot of people don't have, like you were saying, that support system that they used to mm -hmm. have. So you see, you see a lot of people coming down with anxiety and depression and all these other things. So it's a really important time to kind of take a step to help yourself, which is why I think the mental health kind of movement happening right now is so huge. Totally. What, what do you think the biggest misconception people have around this mental health movement or about therapy? Yeah, I feel like there's a few, I think. Yeah. Um, what are a couple of them would you say? Yeah. I think the biggest one we kind of touched on was you don't go to therapy unless there's something wrong with you or that someone who is going to therapy has something wrong with them. Um, I, it's not the case. You know, there's a lot of people who are just going to therapy because they need some help. They need some guidance. 
I would think another big misconception is that like us as therapists all kind of do the same thing. You think of therapy being, I'm going to go talk to my therapist. We're going to sit in a chair in this room. I'm going to talk to her for, or him for 50 minutes. And I'm going to leave and go on with the rest of my week until I see them again, which I find to be like the biggest thing because what I focus on is experiential therapy. So I don't really see a lot of clients in a room sitting down. I do a lot of stuff outside taking things that they're doing every day in their normal lives and like normalizing that. And how can we make this become more of a mindful experience that you can, you know, transfer over to every day. Interesting that you can integrate into your life. Definitely. Yeah. I feel like that's a big, that's a big component that is often missed in this space is like, it's cool. These thoughts or concepts or tools are great, but if you can't actually integrate it into your life and use it to better yourself, then what's it really all for, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Ex so experiential therapy, tell me more about experiential therapy. What is yeah. What does this mean? So experiential therapy comes from the word experience, um, but basically it's just different things. So it could be hiking. It could be going on a walk. Anything that's kind of taking you out of the room and putting you into an experience. So a different mm -hmm. um, setting I practice a lot of surf therapy and water therapy. So that's the kind of experiential therapy I offer. Um, but I, I find it to be super transformative. And a lot of the times you see a lot faster growth within the experiential therapy than you would when you have someone just sitting in a room. I think right. people's like walls kind of go down a little bit faster and you're forced to be uncomfortable, which makes people, you know, do some different things. So it's, it's really amazing. So cool. I think, I think some of the best therapy sessions could probably happen from like doing a puzzle together or something like that. Right. Okay. Like there's something that can, and from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, because you you're, you're the person here, but it's those moments when we get out of the prefrontal cortex and we get out of like the monkey mind and the monkey brain mm -hmm. that we can actually start to see things potentially from a different perspective, some different dots connect and we can get into the, that, that flow state. And that's where there's, there's a lot of benefit from actually just getting out of that part of our mind and into the rest of it. Definitely. And it's not easy to do, which I yeah. think a lot of people kind of assume like, Oh, if I'm going to therapy, I'm going to see growth or I'm going to have this life changing experience, you know, one or two sessions in, but half of therapy is working on like, how are we going to get you from your original state of mind to a new state of mind so that we can get here and we can grow. Yeah. What, what are, is there, is there a common challenge that you see with a lot of the people that you work with? I would say right now I'm lucky enough to work with a lot of younger kids, which is a new thing for me, but I love it. I would say communicating is really difficult for some of them, like being able to truly express what they're feeling in terms of like words, which is why I feel like the experiential is so important for me. You're kind of giving them a space to show you instead of having to tell you always. Interesting. So what does that look like, for example? So you're like you're going on a hike with someone or you're surf like during surf therapy. So like you're going out there and you're actually surfing with them. Are you like, is there some sort of not agenda that you have, but is there is there a way like how are you crafting that experience for them to get value out of it? Yeah. So I mean, the best part about it is it's gonna change. Yeah. So for each individual, it's gonna look a little bit different, but 
for example, with my surf therapy, it's about an hour, an hour and a half usually. So we'll get there. And then before we get in the water, usually we'll try to become grounded. So we'll sit on the beach, Mm -hmm. go over some things that, you know, if there's anything that's been on your mind or if there's anything you really want to focus on for this session, take 15, 20 minutes before we get in the water. And then once we enter the water, I'm a big believer that therapy can happen without talking sometimes too. And the ocean is an amazing, amazing place to have that happen. So taking 30 to 40 minutes in the water, just being there, being present, you know, experiencing whatever it has to offer and then coming out of the water and touching on what was it like in the water that day? What were we feeling? What were we thinking? And then we touch back on what we had touched on in the very beginning. So have our thoughts around this change? Do we feel differently about, you know, whatever it was now than we did in the beginning? So brilliant. I love that. And like so simple about the ocean. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which we're definitely going to go on for days about the ocean here because the ocean definitely has some powers. Um, I, I, I just, as you're saying that I feel so fortunate that like I have, I feel like I have friends where that's what we do. Like that's Mm -hmm. what a, that's what an enjoyable and fulfilling Saturday is for me is to go do that thing. And, 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 and I love that idea of just, I think that's something that everybody can bring into their life more is just what I took away from that is more intentionality around it. It's like, Mm -hmm. we're going to go do this activity. What's your intention for this? What do you want to strengthen through this experience? What do you want to leave behind potentially? Setting an intention before you do something anyone can do any day. Right. I think that's so great. And then, and then it's not only setting the intention and then doing the thing, but then it's reflecting, debriefing on it afterwards. Mm -hmm. I think that like those, like that sandwich is, makes a lot of sense to me. And I think that that's something that we all can integrate and implement into our lives. Like if you, if you, if with a good friend that you can do, that you trust that is into it with you. Yeah. So, so cool. Okay. Now healing ocean powers. What's yeah. the coolest thing about the ocean? In your mind? <laughs> oh, I could. Besides I mean, the mermaids, yeah. besides the mermaids. Love mermaids. We all yeah. mermaids heart. Um, yeah. No, I think the ocean has some pretty amazing qualities that I feel like people don't really like recognize as human beings, we're all made up of 60, 70% water, you know, give or take. Um, and our body's pH is pretty much the same as the ocean. So when you enter the ocean without even trying doing anything or knowing it, your body actually automatically enters a slightly meditative state. Hmm. So you don't have to set the intention of I'm going to sit here today and meditate, or I'm going to try and do this and this being by the water, being in the water, hearing moving water, your body does that for you. So I feel like that's one of the biggest things. And then there's some like other great things about the water too. In my mind, it's just kind of like this centering place. It feels good sometimes being in the ocean, knowing that, okay, I'm here, I'm small, you know, there's so much going on in my life right now, but I am in this place that is so much bigger than me. There's so much unknown So I think it can be a really like centering, balancing. It can also be kind of scary. You know, we can't control the like ocean. We can't control mother nature. So sometimes you're out there and there's big waves and it's like, not to be cliche, but like we get waves in our life that we can't control. How are you going to work through this? How are you going to deal with it? And then there's others days that we're out there and it's flat. There's, there's no surf. So those kind of plateaus that a lot of people find themselves, whether it's in their career or their relationship, um, just all parts of their lives, I feel like there's a lot of things you can kind of relate 
to the ocean and water and yeah. Yeah. I mean, I obviously I have a, a pull to it, but it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing place to be. And I'm very, very grateful that I get to bring other people to be a part of it as a part of therapy. Beautifully said. And did you ever think that you could say that the ocean is your office technically? Like I never thought I'd be lucky enough. Yeah. To say that's that. pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty, pretty cool to be able to say that. Like, it's amazing That's awesome it's my it really... playground my office you know my church it's yeah it's everything for me oh so so good I, I love it um there's so many things that you hit on there that I that I, I really feel deeply as well um with and I, I I love the ocean as well for all of those reasons and one of the things that I've I've I do often when I go to the water is I love um and I recommend everybody anybody listening to try this if they have the ability to get to the ocean get to the Pacific Ocean. The Pacific Ocean is so good. Any ocean, obviously, but I love the Pacific. I'm a little bit biased. We uh, is going to the edge, like right at the shore and like wedging your heels, your feet into the sand, mm-hmm. right where the waves are crashing right, right over you. And uh, and then you just like sit there and you or stand there rather. And every wave that comes, like you actually sink a little bit deeper and deeper. And it's just such a grounding and five minutes, 10 minutes just standing there like grounding into the sand with the waves washing. Like I could be in, I could be in such a weird mood or a funk and I go do that five, 10 minutes. It's, it's, it's just mind blowing every single time, not surprising, but mind blowing every single time how it shifts my state completely when I come out. And there's so many, you know, scientific reasons behind it, but at the end of the day, it's something that you're choosing to do right? and are like lucky enough to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like, you know, for people listening who aren't near the ocean or don't get to experience it, there's so many other amazing things you can do in nature that yeah. can like truly ground you as well and give you the same benefits as the ocean. Um, and even if you aren't by any water source, you know, or you're in a concrete jungle, there's some really amazing things that have been created like ocean breathing. I'm not sure if you've heard about Oh, no, what's that? Tell me about that. I struggle with meditating, like sitting with myself. Um, so I found this thing called ocean breathing and basically it's, um, basically it's just waves. You listen to an audio of waves and you breathe with the waves as they crash. So it's supposed to do the same thing as actually being by the ocean, hearing the water and take you kind of into that meditative state. But I use it a lot when I travel, I'm on planes very cool it, do you so do you just like pull up a like a, a video of the ocean or is it a specific guided video you listen to so there's a guided one you can find them everywhere um cool. i just type into youtube you know Sweet. ocean breathing therapy and some will pop up done i'm definitely trying that later <laughs> um now probably the most important question i have to ask you is have you seen moana i have okay what are your thoughts on moana because that's i love moana movies. i mean yeah. i like out of everything, you know, the music's great. It's super fun movie. But I think for me, the biggest part of it is the cultural, you know, awareness that we're bringing to people. I grew up, my dad's black, you know, my mom's white. Growing up mixed in LA feels really normal because we're lucky enough to be in such a diverse community. But Mm -hmm. I feel like these new Disney movies are bringing a lot of awareness to places that maybe, you know, you don't have as much diversity. Wow. Really, really good point. Um, yeah, Moana, so good. Such and the power of the ocean, 
It's like the greatest yeah. thing. I know. I'm like, <laughs> I wish I could be her. <laughs> you are her. Come on. Like, don't sell yourself short now. Let's go. <laughs> you're, you're probably the closest thing to her. You're doing sur- surf therapy I'll in the ocean. It. It yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's so good. I, I also love the thing you mentioned around the control thing. Um, one of my, uh, one of my best friends who moved out to LA first time he came out to visit, um, he's from Ohio. The first time he was at the Pacific ocean ever. And, and it was a way, it was a day when the waves were pumping and it was like, it was the big waves and they're, they're pretty scary waves. If you, if you've never been to see, if you've never seen big waves breaking, it can be pretty crazy. And we were, we were swimming in there and the waves were getting, the swell was coming and it was getting big. And I said, come on, come. And he was like, he was so terrified and freaking out. And I was like, come on, let's swim past the break. Let's go past the break. And he was yeah. like so reluctant to do it. And then we he finally trusted and followed and we got in past the break. And it was just this most peaceful experience getting past the break and, and just, you know, overcoming that fear of massive fear of going through, going under and going through the other side and being in a vulnerable position where you don't know what's swimming underneath you or around you. You're far from shore. You're far from safety to where like you have to surrender. There's a surrender element to it. Yeah. I mean, quite literally, you know, breakthrough. Yeah, but there you go. I think it's it's really special when whether it's, you know, in the ocean, on a mountain, um, in your home, when right. people have the courage to kind of take a step and do something that they haven't done before or you know, feel safe enough to make a change. It's something that we're all kind of working with right now. There's a lot of changes yeah. going on and a lot of transition, but it definitely gives you a new sense of like inner strength. Like you're like, I can do this. I, I did something I've never done. Your friend had never seen or been to the ocean. Like that must have made him feel so amazing in that moment. But I'm sure there were some effects moving forward that oh, he man. was able to bring that to as well big big effects like i'm sure he could probably write a book on that moment alone and how that then set the domino effects of various events in his life and i'm sure he will do that one day uh it's and and now he's he's like he's a better surfer than i am he's just he loves it he's 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 just a dolphin spirit animal loves it he's just all about it and another friend too the first few times we would go surfing he he like he would literally go out into the ocean and only stand up to his calves to like his ankles just like not a fan of the ocean just like scared of sharks, right? Scared of sharks, scared of the unknown, scared of the waves. I was just like, no, the ocean's not for me. Fast forward to today too. He's a better surfer than I am. It's the coolest thing. It's like, they, yeah. and, and, and it's amazing to see that progression. And I love the, the metaphor for that and the, the healing capability that has of being able to choose to surrender and put yourself leaning in past your comfort zone in a very visceral way where, like you said, Nature does not give a crap. It does not give a crap about, about whether you, you know, and it's always great getting humbled by the ocean and you're surfing. Yeah. I'm sure it happens to you still. It's like you get humbled okay. by the ocean real quick. It's the, it definitely brings you something. No, it does. And you know, at the end of the day, you can have an amazing day in the water and the next day you go out there and you get rocked and it's just, it's all about your mindset. It's, it can either be, I just got rocked today and that sucked. I don't want to do that again. Or it can be, I was out there today in my favorite place, had a moment. What am I going to take from this? And what am I going to use it moving forward? How am I going to take what happened to me today to make tomorrow better in the water? Or really, just in good. Life? really good. What are some tools that you use to help you with that awareness or to help bring that practice to the everyday like that? In my life or with my clients? Both. Both. I would say... I'm really big about morning rituals. 
I think having something to kind of physically ground you in the morning sets up a really amazing platform for you to continue on with the rest of your day. For me, it's waking up and, you know, having a glass of water and sitting down and like reading, whether it's like a little blog post, something about what's happened, you know, in another part of the world, just kind of finding myself in that moment and being grounded. Um, otherwise, something a little bit easier that I like suggest to my clients is at the opposite end of the day. So before you go to bed, thinking of like one thing you're grateful for and either making it into a physical act. So not just thinking about it, but either writing it down. If it's about someone like reaching out and letting them know you're thinking of them. Um, I think it's really important that we kind of take a moment to reflect at the beginning and the end of our day. Cause so many times in our life, I feel like we kind of get this idea that time's just passing. You know, you're like that week flew by or January flew by. Becoming more intentional with the beginning and the end of our days is super important. Mm, so good. So practical too. I'm, I mm-hmm. love the word choice of ritual, not routine. Something yeah. that I, I that I talk about on, on this show. I talked about, I did a whole segment on that, of the idea of ritual versus routine. So I love that. And bookending your days, having like a bookend that you can, in the beginning and in the evening, you can have that time to take a break. And and it's it's so interesting to me because I've ever guessed that I, that I interview as well, everybody that I bring on the show the like a common thread across the board is that they have everybody has some practice of self-reflection yeah. everybody has some way where they like pause and take account for what's on their mind their day their actions what they what they intended to do did they get it done some sort of form and and that form varies and changes but having some anchoring form to be able to like come out of the day-to-day video game that we're playing in and like yeah. get that meta level to see like hold up how are we feeling here how are we doing is that is that something that's that you can relate to to or resonate with? No, definitely. I think a really big thing we talk about in therapy is checking in. So mm. checking in with yourself, checking in with others, you know, as a therapist. But it's easy for us to go through our day, like you said, kind of like the video game, just from A to B, getting things done. And we don't check in with what we need, you know? We're like, am I feeling okay with myself today? If I'm not, what can I do to help myself? How can I change that? Um, so, and I mean, as a therapist, as much as we get to do at the end of the day, that's what we're doing. We're, we're checking in with people. We're making sure that they're okay with where they're at, where they want to go, what they're doing, you know, the Mm. people in their life they're affecting. So I just like to look at it as like, it's a big check-in. It's a big kind of, you know, like blanket as to how can I help you so you can help yourself so you can help others. Ooh, I like that. That's a powerful domino effect there. Mm-hmm. So you got to put your oxygen mask on first before helping others. The airlines taught us that one. Every right. flight, and we're reminded. Every flight, we're reminded of it. Yeah, and I and honestly, it's something that comes up a lot. It's in relationships. A lot of the mm. like people I see who are struggling in relationships, it's like, well, I don't feel like I'm making them happy or they're not making me happy anymore. You know, whatever it might be. But I think something really important to remember is that whether it be in a romantic relationship, a friendship, a relationship with yourself, like you have to be happy with yourself. You have to be comfortable with yourself before you can take that step and, you know, bring it onto an emotional relationship with a friend, a family member, um, mm-hmm. like a lover, whoever it's going to be. So. Yeah. Super important. That's very, very cool. 
I like that. What's uh, So tell me a little bit more about Mindful Path. Yeah, definitely. So I'm lucky enough to work for a private practice called Mindful Path. And our CEO is Erica Ives. She has done something that not a lot of, or almost anyone else has done. And that she truly made a private practice that is full body and mind. So we offer talk therapy. We offer experiential therapy. And then we offer like a gang of other things that a lot of other, you know, therapists aren't providing such as like Reiki, yoga. Um, we do EMDR. We have nutritionists on our staff, basically just with the idea that you can't just fix your mind. You have to be healthy up here. You have to be healthy in here and you have to be healthy, like all of this too. So she has done some really amazing things. She actually is working on a little piece right now, kind of just bringing awareness to the mental health field that exists within each of our everyday lives. So I feel super, super lucky to be a part of, you know, Mindful Path. They let me start surf therapy with them. That wasn't a thing. Um, I just think there's a lot of growth. She, She really wants people to understand that there's so much more to therapy than a lot, like, of normal people would think it's this kind of like huge huge platform so how did you so cool how did you get involved with that in the first place how did you did you come across them did you know one of the people there I so when I was finishing up both of my masters at Pepperdine she was my last professor whoa and at the time I was actually working in the prison system finishing up my hours for school and I had this like coming to Jesus moment where I was like, you know what, actually, I don't know if I picked the right path. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to help these people. I haven't been through this. I haven't done this. And she gave me some of the most valuable advice I've ever received. And it was, you are only as good as you think you are. She's like, you are giving them your all and that's all you can give them. And she just went on to teach me so much about how to like believe in myself and that by doing that we can help others. And then she brought me onto her private practice. So, so far it's been amazing and you know, nothing, nothing but good things to say. So So, cool. Yeah. That's a, I love that. I I love that so much too, because I feel like this is something that you just, you can't, you can't fake that. You can't force that. It's just like, Mm -hmm. of course, of course she was your, one of your professors and of course she gave you a life seriously it's on like we're on the path of least resistance always i believe and it's like you're on just keep following the yellow brick road you're already on it so that's it that's it one step at a time that's really really cool i I love that mindful path doing that and hopefully other practices are are learning from that and 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 i'm i'm hoping that there's more people that are doing things like that and looking at the integration does that does that align with your personal philosophy on therapy and on the healing process definitely i think to think that you could only go to therapy and talk to someone, you know, once a week and all your problems are going to be solved isn't very realistic. It's taking the steps in your everyday life to kind of, you know, allow that to happen. So for me, you know, my rituals, the people you surround yourself with, like, are they going to, you know, support you? Are they going to help you on this path and this journey that you kind of see yourself going on? Um, Life is made up of so many small pieces. And I feel like a lot of the times we don't really look at those. We just look at the big things and the big goals. So mindful path 
as a practice is looking at everything, you know, you have to be super integrative. And I feel like that's definitely, you know, been something that I had to kind of start being in the practice of in my life too. But yeah. Epic. Was there anything when you were studying, did you, did you specialize in a certain part of therapy or did you have a specific focus when you were studying or that you currently are interested in as well? Yeah, it's kind of not what I'm doing right now. I actually specialize in palliative care and bereavement. So I specialize in, you know, death and dying is kind of what it is. Yeah, um, yeah. It sounds morbid, but it's a beautiful thing. It's the idea that, you know, it's going to happen to all of us at some point. And working with individuals who have either been diagnosed with terminal diseases, families who have lost a loved one, um, kind of end of life planning, all of that is stuff that I'm super passionate about. So that was one specialty. And then I also specialize in multicultural therapy, coming from a mixed background, you know, struggling more so in my like older years as to who am I, like, where do I fit in? Am I good enough to be in this pocket or, you know, am I good enough to be in this pocket? I never found anyone who could help me with it. So being able to be someone who can offer that to younger generations is something I've been really passionate about in like the past three, four months. Mm. So there's a group on my, uh, on my site and I work with teens and adolescents who come from mixed backgrounds and we just talk about what it feels like, what it is to be mixed and it's, yeah. it's definitely really special and really close to my heart. So yeah. yeah. Has that been a big part of your, of your journey here, especially sounds like of late of that part of yourself, that part of your identity? Yeah, definitely. I feel like, you know, June, we had some really, really big things happen right. and they put a lot of who I am and where I come from into perspective, something I hadn't really had to do too much mm-hmm. in my past. So it definitely made me kind of take a step back and think about how do I want to show up for myself and how do I want to show up for my communities, not just one, but both. So showing, showing younger generations and then also talking with parents who have mixed families and mixed kids that this is something that is available to talk about. It's not done too often, but like, Mm -hmm. let's open up the conversation so it doesn't feel so like uncomfortable and kind of like tabooed. Yeah. So cool. I think that's really important of just with anything, just opening up the conversation. And I, I love and I feel so grateful to to live in the country that we do where we can open up the conversation. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously we have our things we need to work on for sure. But like yeah. to be able to like have the uh, the platform where we can open up the conversations of the uncomfortable things. And that's that's encouraged to do as well. So I, I love that you're doing that. Big shout outs for that, yeah. for sure. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and I'm fascinated also with the the the, gr- the grief process. I'm sure you uh, deal a lot with or have dealt with, or at least through the studying of gr- like how do you view the grief process? How, what's what's your what's your what's your philosophy on that? My take on it. Yeah. I well, the grief process usually is kind of explained to people that there's five stages of grief. Um, you know, there's anger, there's depression, there's there's all of those. But I truly believe that it's not the cyclical cycle. Grief is kind of this like messy zigzag. There's there's mm. nothing, you know, cyclical about it. So I was lucky enough to work at UCLA in the Chase Child Life Pediatric Program. 
working with a lot of kids who have like autoimmune and terminal diseases. And I think it's pretty amazing. The best part about it is their mindset, seeing how resilient people can be, seeing how strong people who are physically at their weakest can be definitely made me want to kind of like jump in to this realm. Mm -hmm. Um, Grief isn't easy. Everyone handles it very differently. And just like life, you never know how or when it's going to show up. So being someone that can provide almost a sense of like normalcy to something that's going to happen to all of us, but we don't talk about that often is something that, you know, I find a lot of like joy and fulfillment in. Um, It's obviously not, it's not easy and it's hard to not take it home with you all the time, but at the end of the day, it's something that I can't imagine not doing. Yeah. I think that's, it's gotta be really empowering to have some tools or to be able to give people some, something to help with that process. I feel like that's Mm -hmm. gotta probably be a fulfilling thing to be able to be like, Hey, there's different things that you can do to help you through that process. And with that process. Definitely. But keeping in mind too, that like at the end of the day, we have to keep our cup full too. Right. I think that's something that everyone can use is you can't keep emptying your cup and giving it to everyone else and not finding another source to like fill it back up. You have to. Yeah. How do you do, how do you do that? Because in this space, and I'm sure a lot of therapists probably more than a, a lot of other professions experience that burnout because of that giving nature and because of that empathetic tendency that we have of wanting to just give, 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 and to take Mm -hmm. things on how, or how do you, do you find boundaries? How do you create that for yourself? At first it was really difficult. I would just kind of compartmentalize and I was like, this is work and this is my life. Um, didn't work. It did not go well. So now what I kind of like the mindset I take on is I chose a job where these are going to blend. You know, it is, some days are going to be really difficult, but that's okay. And I find that my family brings a lot of like peace to me, not being able to talk about what's going on in your work always can become really difficult, but being around people who do what I do to everyone else, which is, you know, care about me definitely kind of like fills my cup and then surfing, like being in the water quite literally just like brings me back. Mm important. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love that. Do you have like, what, what is your philosophy on, do you have a specific philosophy on healing or on therapy? It sounds like it's pretty aligned with mindful path. Is there, is there anything else that you might add or, or that you think about when you think of therapy or the healing process? Yeah, I think, I mean, mindful path is amazing. It's like the whole body, whole mind, whole soul, whole being. That's definitely my mindset around it. But I think something else that needs to kind of be recognized is that it's never too early or too late to decide to work on yourself. So, so good. Never too early or too late. Um, as this is amazing. This has been such a valuable conversation. Thanks, Kylie. I, I have one, one more question for you, which is, uh, what advice would you give someone? I think that, that's, that's great advice. That's never too early or never too late to work on yourself. But what advice would you give someone who's you know, who may be listening to this or maybe deciding that they might want to make a change or might want to make a shift, but it still feels a bit far reached or therapy still feels a bit heavier out of the way. Like what advice do you give to somebody like that? 
I think the biggest thing you can do is help yourself. And by not reaching out and not asking for help, you're never going to see a change. Um, going to therapy can be scary, but there are forms of therapy in your life all around you. So whether it's, you know, I'm going to take a 30 minute walk and reflect every day, or I'm going to call someone who makes me feel, you know, safe and good about myself, making the tiniest step in the right direction is the biggest step you can make. Boom. Drop the mic on that one. Very <laughs> well said. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Kylie, thanks so much. This has been awesome for me. Thank you. I've learned a lot. This is uh, thank you for the work you're doing. It's really incredible. And, and everything going on, the experiential therapy, surf therapy, really, really remarkable stuff. Um, amazing work on behalf of all humanity. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Is there anything, is there anything that you want to share with listeners as we part here? No, I'm just, I think some, well, like, yeah, I guess so. I would say just, you know, <laughs> I'm like, there's so much just taking into consideration that at the end of the day, like you are worthy of like feeling good and you are worthy of taking the step to make sure that you can do that. So just a reminder to everyone, you know, out there listening that, that. So good. Yeah. It's in our birthright. It's our birthright. It we deserve it. We right. That's 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 what it is. Awesome, Kylie. Thank you very thank very you much. Thank you so much. Until next time.